You poser. You imposter. You fake. You call yourself a woodworker? Really? My grandmother is a better woodworker than you are. Hi, my name's Roger Kugler. This is Working at Woodworking Podcast number 68. Are you a woodworking imposter? Have you ever heard this before? No? Never? You have never doubted if you are a real woodworker or that you are a professional woodworker. Really? I don't think so. And I bet if you think real hard, the sound of that voice is your own. I got an email from Valentin in France who asked about this question. And we'll take a deep dive into this. Kind of goes along with the the last episode. I heard this term for the first time probably in the mid, maybe late 90s. I was real into whitewater kayaking and, you know, oh, you're just a poser. And, well, yeah, thinking back, I probably was. I was trying to be a whitewater kayaker and not having a whole bunch of success. But that term poser, the imposter Sometimes that has a different meaning than what we might think it means. If we look on Mr. Google, as we do with anything that we don't understand, we find that imposter syndrome, also known as imposter phenomena or imposterism, is a psychological occurrence in which an individual doubts their skills, talents, or accomplishments and has a persistent internalized fear of being exposed as a fraud. That comes from Mr. Wikipedia. Psychology Today adds, People who struggle with imposter syndrome believe that they are undeserving of their achievements and the high esteem in which they are, in fact, generally held. They feel that they aren't as competent or intelligent as others might think, and that soon enough, people will discover the truth about them. Those with imposter syndrome are often well accomplished. They may hold high office or have numerous academic degrees. Psychology Today, not me. Where did this come from? Well, it's always good to find the origin of something. And this surprised me. It turns out, isn't the internet cool? You can find out like anything. Psychologists Pauline Rose Clance and Suzanne Ems developed the concept originally termed imposter phenomenon in their 1978 founding study, which focused on high-achieving women. That comes from the Harvard Business Review. Very interesting. If you were, you know, sucking air back in the 70s, this, you you, kind of have a context here. So why are we talking about this? Well, (laughs) this might be you. This definitely was me. Specifically, this was is about the email from uh, Valentin, and Valentin is in his uh, his uh, latter twenties. He says he has no formal training in woodworking. Who does? He gets most of his information from YouTube and the internet. 
Yeah, okay. And his own experimentations. Well done, Valentine. You've heard me preach this over and over. Repetition, repetition, repetition. If you do more reps than the other guy, guess what? You're going to probably be a lot better at hand-cut dovetails than the other guy. He has a good job that he enjoys. He's doing this kind of on the side, but he wants to take it to the next level. He writes, listening to your podcast is a great help. I was able to niche down on what I'll work on. I found a name, a logo. I bought a .com domain name, which I'll use later as I tackle the website building. But here's the thing. While I believe that it is possible to succeed even if self-taught, I can't help but feel a lot of imposter syndrome. Okay, lesson learned. Set phone to silence. But here's the thing. While I believe that it is possible to succeed even if self-taught, I can't help but to feel a lot of imposter syndrome or at least a profound illegitimacy when I think about my project. The challenge seems all too overwhelming and sometimes the more I think about it, the more I feel uncertain about my skills, choices, finances, etc. I think about hundreds of reasons why it won't work. So I guess this, this is not so much a question, but more of a discussion starter. If you want to give your woodworker's philosophy episode a follow-up, I'd be down to hear your take on the subject. He goes on and explains that he's really gotten into high-end furniture, custom furniture, studio furniture, is the term some people would ascribe to this. Uh, using hand, hand tools in the traditional Japanese, Chinese, and Korean joinery techniques, except for milling and material preparation. Good for you. No need, nobody needs to be doing that, that by hand. And he included a link to the Instagram, his Instagram account, which I'll share in the, uh, the show notes. Um, I took a look at that and wow. I was kind of going one way in my brain in how to respond to this. And then I saw his work and I really had to kind of rethink that because, um, it's gorgeous. I mean, well done. In any case, keep up the good work and good vibe. Love the puns and knowledge you bring to the table. Thank you very much. I appreciate that more than you probably know. Okay, deep dive. Um, imposter syndrome. I'm no psychologist. The closest I've ever gotten is to be a boxologist. But my two cents, and that's exactly what it's worth. Yeah, welcome to the world. <laughs> Self-doubt. I mean... Yay. Everybody goes through this. It could be in the third grade, whenever you have to do multiplication tables. It could be, you know, high school, whenever you have to deliver your lines in the high school play. It could be college entrance exams. It could be your college final exams. Um, yeah, we have self-doubt. We're human. How we deal with that is the real important thing. And when we say imposter syndrome, we're kind of inferring that imposter. 
someone is an imposter if they're trying to deceive someone. Um, Bernie Madoff, um, the Ponzi scheme, that was an intentional deception. Imposter syndrome, I don't think has anything to do with deception or fraud. It is simply the way we are feeling about ourselves. Specifically from your email, two things. Number one, I think you're thinking too much, quite frankly, which kind of goes along with number two, you're in your 20s. Sorry, the 20s are probably the roughest decade in our most people's lives. Um, <clears throat> we don't remember that much about the, you know, the first decade, you know, that birthing thing and, and, and walking and, you know, potty training. Um, we, we mercifully kind of forget about that. Um, the teens, the teens are rough, you know, especially whenever you're in junior high. I, I don't care who, who you are, you know, hormones, you smell, you, you, you know, you're a perfectly rational human, you know, at one o'clock and by three o'clock, you're some crazed, you know, zombie creature. Um, those are rough years, but the twenties, I think thinking back, those are really rough years because for one thing, all of our, our family, our friends, our schoolmates, that's all kind of dispersed. And quite frankly, the only one we have to talk to is ourselves. And yeah, that doesn't go well sometimes. Yeah, just thinking back, whoa, there is no way I would go back to the 20s. Now, I had a great experiences in the 20s, life-changing experiences. But, you know, in the back of the, the little head, that little voice, you know, you're not good enough, you're not fast enough, you're not this or that, fill in the blank. Um, I, that's our brain doing that. Um, I must say that the 30s will be better. The 40s will be really good. Uh, the 50s will be real good. Um, I've just started into the 60s. Um, so far, so good, you know, knock on particle board. Um, and, and here's the real deal. The only person who can make you feel like an imposter is you. I can't make you feel like an imposter. Frank Klaus can't make you feel like an imposter. Those words could come out of our mouths, but the only person who can take that, internalize it, and turn it into, I'm an imposter, is you. And if you don't allow yourself to do that, that is the way I have dealt that. I've never had anyone come up to me and say, you're an imposter. It's never happened. And probably for you, it's never happened either. We may imagine it. We might show somebody something and go, they just give us a, hmm, what does that mean? Well, immediately our brain starts to fill in the worst case scenario and boom, you know, you're into imposter syndrome. Um, don't go down that road. You know, what we take in and think about is what comes out of us. So if you don't take it in, it's not going to come out. If someone does say this out loud, they're not trying to make you feel like an imposter. They're just downright insulting you and take it as an insult. An insult doesn't lead to imposter syndrome. And that tells more about the person who actually said that than what it tells about you. 
because people do that type of thing for a number of different reasons. It They're almost always selfish reasons. So uh, we'll talk about that in a minute. If somebody says something like that, listen to it, evaluate it. If there's any merit at all, learn from it. But 99% of the of the time, it's trash, and that's where you what you do with it. You just throw it into the trash. But but literally, no one has ever come up to me and said, you know, you're an awful woodworker. If someone says they're a woodworker and they say that to you, I don't think they're a real woodworker. And besides, if someone should actually come up and say that to you, Valentine, that you're an imposter, just point at those gorgeous nightstands that you made and say, really? Really? (laughs) Let me see your nightstands, because those things are just 100% beautiful. Now, Valentin has a lot of things going for him. Number one, did I mention he's in his 20s? Oh my gosh, you have so much time to learn and to develop your skills. And if you're doing this type of work in your 20s, I can't wait to see what you're doing in your 30s, 40s, 50s, 70s. I mean, you are off to a wonderful start. Keep that up. You know, you may see your age as as a detriment. It's really not. I know that your 20s are really, really hard. Um, the 30s will come, and generally I think the 30s are better. Each decade of my life has gotten better and better and better. And and honestly, you reach a point in your life where, honestly, you just don't give a crap anymore. And now your your body has gone to crap, but uh, eh, c'est la vie. So you do you. You be patient. Pat Flynn again, you know, you do you. Be patient. You're only in your, your 20s. And, and I'm talking not only to, to Valentine, but all to the young woodworkers out there. And, and for you older woodworkers, uh, hopefully you can find and encourage a younger woodworker. Because I remember when I was thinking about doing this type of thing, I was in, um, I was in my early 30s and I found some woodworkers who were doing this professionally and Quite frankly, I'd bug the crap out of them. And um, whenever they hand you a piece of sandpaper, <laughs> you know that their patience has kind of run out and either you produce something or it's time to leave. Now, regarding your work, you didn't mention this, but I've, I see a lot of woodworkers doing this. Never point out mistakes, especially to your customers. And if you, if you have a, a significant other, a spouse, they can be an incredible resource for kind of like the second pair of eyes for you, but you're going to probably have to teach them what a mistake looks like. And just be forewarned, once you teach them, they will feel obligated to share that on everything that you do. You are literally putting the product in the box to ship it, and they come up and say, Huh, what happened here? Oh, yeah, I didn't see that. Oh, crap. Which is good. This is wonderful. You know, they prevented you from shipping something that you probably didn't want to ship. But, you know, you've been working on this thing and your eyes kind of glaze over. I mean, it happens. So, 
it's wonderful to have that that second pair of eyes, but just just be forewarned that mm, you got a second pair of eyes. Another thing is never apologize for your work. And I've again, I've done this myself, and I've learned not to do this. If you've worked on something and the customer comes in and says, "Oh, that's wonderful. That's gorgeous. Oh, just look at this." Yeah, but right over here, I didn't make this joint as tight as it really could have been. Don't do that. Number one, your customer has no idea if that's a tight joint or not. And number two, you're taking away from their experience. And we've got to remember that when somebody has come to you to build a piece of custom furniture, not only are they buying that piece of custom furniture, but they're also buying the experience. Some guys do, gals, do a wonderful job, much better than I do, in including the customer in the design process. They will send them Instagram updates. I don't know how to do that. On, you know, I've selected the wood. I have planed the wood. I have done this. I have done that. And they really, really like that. They think that that's cool. You've involved them in the, the, the process. Um, you know, I tell my customers when it's due that I'm not done yet. And when I do expect to, to get it done, I'm getting better. No, I'm not. <laughs> okay. I got to be honest. So, so don't, don't take away from their experience. Don't go around pointing out all the the little tiny, 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 minute errors um, that you may have committed or you think in your brain you have committed. If, if they love it, let them love it. Don't bash your own stuff. Don't bash other people's things either. Point out things that you really love about the piece contribute to that experience that the customer is paying you good money for. When they say, oh, this is just beautiful. Add, I know, look at this grain right over here. I have never seen this type of grain before. This is just gorgeous. Oh, that is. Oh my gosh. Someday at a cocktail party in the future, that person is going to pass on to their guest. Yeah, I didn't even notice this until the craftsman pointed it out to me. Look at this grain right here. Boom. You have added to the story. That's what we're, we're all about. Tell them how much you enjoyed making this. Don't be one of those people. It's like, Oh God, I'm so glad this is finally over. I had so many trouble, many problems with this thing. Oh, let me help you take it out to your car. No, don't destroy their moment. You know, don't take away from their story. Add to it. And, you know, yes, I really enjoyed this. This was a, okay, here's the thing. This was a real challenge for me, and I learned so many things from this. Ding, 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 ding. We have a winner. So you got that off your chest in a nice way that actually has added to the story. There you go. These are all like salesman 101 type techniques, which, uh, yeah, salesmanship. Yeah, that's kind of a dying art form, isn't it? Maybe there's an episode there. Hmm, I'll give that some thought. So take your wins when you can get them. 
your brain is telling you or trying to tell you that you're just an imposter. Just tell your brain to go bugger off. When a customer says, I really like this, take that. That was a compliment. Feed that part of your ego, your psyche, whatever it is, and enjoy it. Take it in. When someone pays you a compliment, be gracious about that. This is a human interaction technique, and between one human to another, don't turn it into something that it's not. You know, don't let that pissy side of your brain, you know, try to turn it into something that it literally is not. When somebody asks your opinion, that is a tremendous compliment. They think that you have something that they don't, and they're trying to learn from you. This is a wonderful thing to to take in and to savor. I certainly do, and I appreciate every single one of you who have reached out with a with a, a question or a comment. Here's the kicker. When someone gives you money, this is a good thing. This is a very, very good thing because they probably came, you know, by that money, you know, by the sweat of their brow, hard earned. And now they are willing to share that with you in exchange for something, for a goods or a service that you have provided them. That is a tremendous compliment. So take that with a great big smile. Okay, what about the jerks? Yeah, there's going to be jerks out there. It can happen. To be really honest with you, I've never had a jerk walk into my shop and, you know, start, well, being a jerk. The only time I've really ever encountered them are at craft shows. Not that craft shows are bad, but craft shows attract a whole bunch of people, a whole bunch of different people. And some of them are just a little weird. I can remember a couple, a few instances that I have had. It was very obvious that the person was kind of reaching out in a very awkward way to try to engage another human. And a conversation 30 seconds in, you can tell that they, they're having some problems. And instead of you know, firing back at them in something negative. And like I said, I'm not a psychologist, but if you can kind of engage them in what they do, why they do it, you know, if they are real critical of something, well, how would you do that? That can open up, you know, a a, a conversation. Um, Don't go too deep because very often these people have found somebody who's actually willing to talk to them. And they may be there for another two hours. And you're trying to, well, make money by engaging in a lot of conversations and selling things. Because remember, there's no sale without a conversation. Um, huh. Salesmanship 101. So, you know, you, you, you have to kind of be on your guard there. But probably firing back at them is the very worst thing. Because a lot of times this is how they live. These are the trolls that you get on the Internet. You know, they're there just to try to get a reaction out of somebody because, well, quite frankly, they're not interacting with anyone. Um, one of the tenets of salesmanship is be an expert to a novice and helpful to an expert. And if someone is coming off as an expert, which they very well may be, 
be helpful to them. And one of the ways you can be helpful to them is start picking their brain. And if you get just a few sentences into it and you find out, you can figure out that, yeah, this person knows what they're talking about. Oh my gosh, you've got to dive in there with both feet because they probably have information that could be really, really helpful to you. And you can learn a lot by talking to other people who have an expertise that you don't. Recommendations for this week? Valentine's Instagram account. I hope you all uh, have a chance to go visit that, maybe leave a, a, a nice comment on it. I was super impressed. I, I really was. Miss um, Jobs. This has come up more frequently over the last couple of years. Um, can you build a set of custom speakers for me? We don't really think about it, but speakers are made of wood, always, I think. Now, I know that a lot of speakers may be made out of like MDF, something that is acoustically dead. But I helped a gentleman, a young guy, very talented electronics engineer, who designed all of his own electronics for the speaker, but he needed help building the actual cabinets. And he was able to find, in 400 miles away, some Baltic birch that he had shipped. Honestly, it was just a real pleasure working with Baltic Birch again because it hasn't been around for a couple of years. And the project went very, very well. He actually wanted to do a lot of the work himself, which, hey, I'm cool with that. Um, but this guy is just flat out, here's my design, can you build this? And I, I had to turn it down. Um, but consider that maybe as a niche. And I don't have that acoustic... Um, what do they call that, audiophile um, mindset to, to really understand a lot of the things that are going on. But maybe if you do, maybe you're a musician, which you probably know a whole bunch about this, um, that might be a thing for you. You know, custom speakers is a thing. So give that some thought. I'd like to thank our listeners in uh, Muskegon, Michigan as well as Sydney, New South Wales, Australia. And on my stats for the podcast, I found that it will list countries such as uh, I, we, we have listeners from Kazakhstan. Uh, thank you very much. Welcome. Um, but I can't actually find the city, town that they live in. The, the the way the stats are presented, it doesn't break it down uh, that finely. So, and quite honestly, I probably wouldn't be able to pronounce the, the, the name uh, in, uh, from Kazakhstan e anyway. So, uh, but anyway, I'll, I'm going to throw those, those, you know, extra ones in that the, it's lacking the detail, but it does, you know, show up on the stats. Really appreciate that. Be sure to check out the affiliate links. There is an affiliate link for what I think is a real good option if you're looking for phone service for your small business. And of course, there's Taylor Tools that offer some very, very good tools at what I think are very reasonable prices. I'm very impressed with them. So until next time, happy woodworking. <laughs>